Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 113 of the Money Love Podcast. All right, y'all, let's talk about girl math today. It's time. It is time that we had a conversation about this. I know that this is a topic that kind of blew up on social media probably two or three weeks ago. So I know I'm a little behind the eight ball on this. You guys know that the past couple of weeks, we have been quite busy over here just between personal things and also business things, launching the new Overcoming Overspending membership, which was so fun to welcome so many of you into that. So if you are new into that community, welcome, but also just know that you can join at any point in time. I would love, love, love to have you. You can hear more details on that just by listening to the outro of future episodes now. But again, this is something that happened a couple of weeks ago. And when it was happening, I was like, okay, we need to talk about this. And I did a couple of shorter videos on social media about it. But I was like, we got to sit down and do a whole podcast episode on this because like I said, it's something that we need to break down. Now, I know some of you, sometimes when I bring up this topic, a lot of people in the comments on social media, when I was doing this video about girl math, they were like, what's girl math? Like, I didn't even know what you were talking about. I literally had to go to the search bar and search what is girl math <laughs> to figure out what it is. So if you're like, what page, what are you talking about? Don't worry. I'm going to fill you in on everything so that you have the context of what I'm talking about before we dive in. But the other half of you might know exactly, exactly what I'm talking about. And in fact, there was one particular video that really kind of kicked off this whole trend. It ended up having like, I think on Instagram, it ended up having like 2.5 million likes, which means, I mean, it had millions upon millions of views. And it was kind of the video that kicked everything off. And I'm actually going to play you that video just so you can hear it. But essentially what girl math is, like my definition of it, I guess, is the mental gymnastics that we go through to justify making purchases. Now, before I play you the actual video, and before we actually dive into this episode, I do want to put a disclaimer out there and say that I understand that obviously there is a huge element of humor in this. I understand that a lot of it is meant to be funny and jokey and I get it, right? Like even when I saw the video for the first time, even my initial reaction to it was like, "Oh, that's cute. That's funny." But we also have to acknowledge that although it's funny and cheeky and haha, it went so viral and got so much reaction from people and is being talked about on the internet at such a wide scale because there is a huge element of truth in it, right? And so after I play you this video, just know that wherever you end up lying on the topic, whether you're on the one side that I've been hearing a lot, which is, this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. This is stupid. I can't believe people think about money in this way. I can't believe people's brains work this way. That's one side. To the other side of the spectrum where people are like, calm down, pull the pine cone out of your butt. It's a joke. Lighten up. It's not real. That's the other end of the spectrum. I want to have a conversation in the middle of those two viewpoints today, like we always do, right? I want to try to just break down both sides 
and say that the truth normally lies somewhere in the middle of those two extremes. And it's not dumb. It's not some just silly trend because it's happening, right? Like our brains actually do this. And maybe your brain doesn't do this consistently, or it's not doing it at the level that maybe other people's brains are doing it. But we know that a lot of people do think about money in this way. We are justifying our purchases in this way. And yes, there is an element of humor in it. But again, it's happening and gaining traction because it is true. And for the people on the other side of the spectrum that are like, lighten up, it's just a joke, it's not a big deal. My other counterpoint is like, well, it kind of is, right? Because on some extent, it is harming our self-concept around money. And it is influencing the choices that we make with our money and influencing how we spend it. So here's the video. I will play it for you guys. Here you go. Here's a list of things that I firmly believe because of girl math. Anything under $5 is free. Anything I buy with a gift card is free. If I buy something, but then I return it, I've made money. Going to an event or a concert is free because I purchased the tickets so long ago, it like doesn't even count. I load my Starbucks app in advance, so Starbucks is free. Anything discounted more than 50% is free and I like am losing money by not getting it. If I'm like paying someone back for dinner and I have money in Venmo, that dinner is free. If I don't buy something, like if I don't buy a pair of shorts for $50, like I've made $50 and I can then go spend $50 on something else. Okay, this one's a little bit weird, but my husband and I share credit cards and a bank account, but somehow every time that he puts down his card with his name on it, like that's free and he paid. So there you go. So girl math, right? Like making these justifications, going through these mental hoops and this mental gymnastics of like money being free, it not being real, things not counting, things like that. That's girl math. So there's three main points that I want to break down around this trend and kind of talk through. The first point that I think we all just need to keep in mind around this trend is that in a sense, it really does kind of perpetuate this harmful stereotype that all of us have been dealing with. And by all of us, I mean all of us women have been dealing with for our entire lives that we are bad with money. We are the shoppers, we are the splurgers, we are the spenders, and the men are the ones who are responsible and diligent with money and good stewards of money. When they spend money, it's responsible, right? It's an investment. It's a good, solid choice. It's a good decision that they're making. But when women spend money, it's senseless and it's frivolous. And I think it's ironic that this trend is called girl math because it just plays into this narrative that women compared to our male counterparts aren't as good and will never be as good with our money. And because the spending that we do is quote unquote, senseless, frivolous, wasteful, we as women need to justify our spending using girl math because of the underlying guilt and shame that a lot of us feel because of the way that we choose to use it. You know, with women, we're told like, well, stop spending money on lattes or manicures or designer bags. You never hear the men being told like, well, stop spending money on NFL tickets or video games or golf clubs or the newest tech gadget. Women are consistently told that the reason we're not wealthy and the reason that we're not rich is because of our spending habits. It's because of how we're spending money and what we're spending money on. We're simply just told that these things aren't worth our money and they aren't valuable to us, even though for a lot of us, they are, right? I've talked about this a lot before on the podcast, but you would not be able to pry my $55 dip manicure out of my cold, lifeless, dead hands if my life depended on it because of my long history, my entire life of biting my nails and my cuticles and tearing up my fingers and dip manicures have been a solution to that for me. It's more about 
how they look. It's more about just having nice, pretty pink nails. It's the value that that $55 manicure provides to me. But out in society, the message that you're going to hear about that is that it's stupid, it's dumb, it's vain, it's frivolous, and that you should be investing that $55 or you should be putting it towards debt or you should be doing something else with it. We're constantly being told that the things that we find value in and the things that we choose to spend our money on aren't valuable to us or they shouldn't be valuable to us, even though they actually are. And it makes us question that. It makes us feel guilt and shame around it when actually in reality, none of that is necessary or needed. But because of that, we get into the cycle of, okay, I need to justify this to myself. The world is telling me this is bad. I don't feel like this is bad internally. In fact, I really like this or it brings me a lot of value, but the world is telling me this is bad. So now again, I need to get into this mindset of doing these mental gymnastics to justify this purchase to myself. Now, I'm going to play you another reel that I found on social media. This one is from one of my favorite finance creators. Her name is Stephanie O'Connell. I will make sure to tag her profile in the show notes so that if you guys want to go follow her, you can. But she did a video on girl math, breaking it down, and she said it perfectly. I'm like, I'm not going to be able to say it any better than Stephanie did in this video. So I'm just going to play that for you to reiterate this point that I'm trying to make. Men are statistically just as likely to spend money on a splurge as women. And when they do treat themselves, they actually spend more on average. But the latest TikTok trend of justifying purchases is, of course, called girl math. It's another in a long line of tropes that associate frivolous spending with women. The shop the retail therapy, the lipstick index. A 2018 study on the gendered language of money found that 65% of money-related articles targeted toward women characterized them as excessive spenders. Meanwhile, 70% of money-related articles targeted toward men emphasized making money. A follow-up study in 2021 looked at images related to men and women in finance, finding men were more likely to be photographed with stacks of bills, while women were more likely to be featured in pictures with pennies and piggy banks. And a 2023 three study asking AI to generate a thousand images of people who are good with money generated just 2% of images featuring women. But again, the data show that these biases and these tropes are not actually grounded in any meaningful gender spending differences. Another 2019 study finds men are just as likely as women to make impulse purchases and are likely to spend more when they do. And while we all might make certain splurges and justify some of our purchases, overwhelmingly the negative judgment that comes along with that still remains largely targeted at women. So there we go, right? She said it absolutely perfectly. And my biggest point with this is that although many of us have been raised to believe that we will never be as good with money as our male counterpoints, the data and the studies and the science show that that's actually not true, right? There have been many studies that have shown that women are better savers than men. We are better investors at men. We have so much evidence to show that compared to our male counterparts, we are better with money. We spend less, we save more, we're better investors over the long term. But because there is this difference in how we're spending our money and what we're buying, this harmful narrative gets pushed out that gets entrenched in our self-concept around money that then later in life, we have to do the work to untangle. The last point I want to make on this one is like, this is just basic human psychology, right? It's called girl math, but really this should just be called human math. I don't know. That's a bad name for it, but something along those lines. It's like we're calling it girl math, but every human brain works this way. A male brain is going to work this way and a female brain is going to work this way. It's just human psychology. 
the human brain is going to want to make these jumps, to make these justifications, to do the things that it wants to do, to justify the decisions that it wants to be making for those quick hits of dopamine in the moment that we know ultimately are against our long-term well-being. We do this with money. We do this with food. We do this with relationships. We are constantly justifying bad behaviors to ourselves because, again, we want the short-term pleasure. My brain does this. Your brain does this. But all human brains do this. The second, I guess, harm that I want to point out about this trend, and to me, this is probably the biggest one and the sneakiest one, is that in reality, girl math is actually detaching us from our money because it's a trend that glorifies kind of acting like your money doesn't exist or that it's not real when in fact (laughs) your money is very real. So again, I'm kind of talking about the parts of the trend where it's like, if it's under $5, it's not real. If the money is in my Venmo account, it's not real. If the money is already loaded into my Starbucks app, it doesn't exist. If I return something and then I buy something else without money, it's like it's free. So it's just kind of the part of the trend where the money doesn't feel real to us, which this is the part of the trend that I'm like, ooh, this is a really, really dangerous and slippery slope that we do not want to start going down. And here's why. When there's no realness to your money, then what does it matter what you do with it, right? When money doesn't seem tangible to you, then the pain and the consequences of the decisions that you make with your money also won't feel real and tangible, even though they very much are. I'm actually a firm believer that it's healthy to have a certain level of pain associated to spending your money. The money needs to feel real to you. And whenever you go to exchange that money for something, there needs to kind of be a certain level of pain associated to that. You always need to be remembering the inherent value that your money has. And when you choose to spend your money on something and buy something, what you are doing is you are exchanging value for value. You are saying my value has money, but the things that I want to buy and spend my money on will also have value. But I want the things that I buy to have more value and to inject more value into my life than my money is currently giving me. So the more pain that's associated with spending money, the more discernment that we're going to use to spend it. But when your money doesn't feel real to you or tangible to you, right? Like when the money that's sitting in your Venmo account doesn't feel like real money. I've even heard a lot of people nowadays saying like cash doesn't even feel real to them anymore. I know a lot of people, Gen Z, that grew up more in a cashless society than let's say people in older generations who used cash a lot more. They're now growing up saying, like, I never have cash. I never use cash. So when I have cash sitting in my wallet, it's almost like it's free. Like, that's not real money to me. Like, I can just spend it and it doesn't matter because it's not impacting the balance in my bank account. All of these justifications, especially the ones where we're saying it's not real or it's free, what it's doing is it's devaluing your money. It's devaluing it literally and figuratively. Like I've heard some people kind of chime in with this trend and they kind of bring in this whole like, let's talk about clothes, like cost per wear. They're like, if I buy a $200 jacket and I wear it 20 times, that's $10 per wear. So technically this is a $10 jacket. 
And I'm like, no, (laughs) that's not really how that works, right? Like I can see why your brain is going there, but this isn't a $10 jacket just because it's $10 per wear. It's still a $200 jacket. Like you are still going to have to pay $200 for the jacket, whether you wear it once or whether you wear it 20 times. Now, of course, yes, it's great that you're wearing it 20 times and you're getting a lot of use out of it compared to only wearing it once or twice, but it's still a $200 jacket that you're having to pay $200 for. So it's like we're literally devaluing our money, saying that our money is actually worth than it is, or that we're spending less than we are actually having to spend. And then figuratively, of course, it's just like saying money isn't real when money very much is real, regardless of where it is, if it's cash or in your bank account or in your Venmo account or wherever. I think that this is the part that's most damaging to our relationship with money. Because when we say that money's not real, it becomes super harmful in our path to forming a healthy, thriving, and connected relationship with our money, right? Like we have to stop acting like money is a joke and that it's not real. Because like I said, the consequences of not managing your money well and spending it frivolously and going into debt and not having savings, those consequences and that reality that you will be living in is very much real. I always tell you guys, like, think about your money like you would think about a person. The way that you would think about your money or talk to your money or treat your money, would you treat another human being that way? Not even just another human being, but like another human being that you are trying to form a healthy relationship with, that you want a loving and thriving relationship with. Would you ever tell someone in that situation, like, well, you're just not real? I just don't believe that you're real. Or this part of you over here doesn't seem as real to me as this part of you over here. It's like, no, of course we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't do it to someone else and we shouldn't do it to our money. And so for this point, a tip that I want to leave you with here is you need to ask yourself the question, where does my money feel the most real to me? Some people are going to say cash. Some people say like physical cash feels much more real to me. There's a much higher level of pain associated when I spend cash versus maybe swiping a debit card or a credit card. But like I said, I think a lot of us in the younger generations today would say that cash doesn't even feel real to us anymore. And the place that our money feels the most real to us now is actually the money that's sitting in our bank account. And that's what I'm hearing a lot, right? Like if something doesn't impact my bank account, if it doesn't make the number that I see on the screen go up or down, it's not real. It doesn't feel real to me. So asking yourself, where does my money feel the most real to me? And let's just stick with the example that for you, that's your bank account. You're like, when money is in my bank account, it feels real to me. Well, then we need to know that. And we need to have that level of awareness around ourselves. And knowing that moving forward, we need to take steps necessary to get and keep our money there as quickly as possible and for as long as possible. If you have money sitting in your Venmo account, don't just let it sit in your Venmo account if it doesn't feel real to you in your Venmo account. Get that money into your bank account, get it into your checking account. Don't be loading like a ton of money onto like your Starbucks app or your Chick fil A app. If once you do that, it doesn't feel real to you. Keep that money in your bank account and only load the money in there on like a per drink or a per meal basis. I'm pretty sure it'll let you do that. 
Maybe don't carry around a lot of cash. Maybe go to your bank and deposit the cash so that the cash is actually now in your bank account rather than just cash sitting in your wallet. If the cash doesn't feel real to you and you know that there's not going to be a high level of pain associated to spending that. All of us are smart enough to kind of evaluate like, okay, where does my money feel the most real to me? And how can I take steps to make sure that I get my money there as quickly as possible and I keep it in there as long as possible? But it comes down to how can I make my money feel as real to me as it actually is? Because y'all, I am telling you, money is money is money is money. It doesn't matter where it is. It doesn't matter where it came from. Money is money is money. And I know that our brains are going to do these mental tricks and it's going to tell us that money that comes from our paycheck maybe is different than money that comes from a gift or maybe that comes from a side hustle or money that maybe comes from a return or even like a $20 bill that you find on the ground. But to me, that's such an integral part of developing like a strong connected relationship with money is saying like, I don't care where you come from. I don't care the amount that you're in. And I don't really care where you are at this moment in time. Every single dollar has value to me. Every single dollar means something to me and is important to me. And I am going to treat every single dollar, no matter where it came from or where it is, with just as much love, care, and respect as I'm going to treat every other dollar. So that's the second point that I wanted to make. The third kind of problem that I have with girl math is that girl math tends to be a justification more than an evaluation. So here's what I mean. It seems like we're using this more to justify decisions that really in our heart of hearts, we know we shouldn't be making rather than actually doing a healthy evaluation of a purchase. With justifying things, there really isn't an outcome where you don't buy it. And I think that's kind of what I'm seeing with girl math. Girl math is kind of like, well, I've already made up my mind to do this thing that I want to do that I know isn't in my best interest. And now I just want to justify it. And now I just want to make myself feel better for doing this thing that I know really isn't in my highest good. The only outcome with girl math, I feel, is to spend the money as opposed to evaluating a purchase which is where we are trying to figure out what is the best choice for me here? What is the best decision? And with evaluating, (laughs) there actually is a path. There actually is a choice where we don't buy the thing that we are currently evaluating. So to me, I'm like, this is simply that we're doing when we've already either A, made up our minds that this is something that we're going to spend our money on that really like in our heart of hearts and our gut and our intuition, we kind of have that feeling of like, Ooh, I know I really shouldn't be doing this because something just doesn't feel good to me about this. Something just doesn't feel aligned to me about this or B the money's gone, right? The money has already been spent. We've already made the purchasing decision and we are feeling a lot of buyer's remorse, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt, maybe over that purchase. And again, We're trying to give ourselves all of these justifications to make ourselves feel better about a choice, again, that we know wasn't aligned and in our best interest. And so that's my thing with girl math. I'm like, are you justifying or are you actually trying to evaluate a purchase? But my personal opinion on the matter, y'all, is that when you actually become a good spender, when you actually learn the skill of spending, like I'm always telling y'all, that is my tagline, right? Spending is a skill. When you learn the skill of spending, I just don't think that you need girl math. I just don't think you need it. I just don't think you need all of 
the hoops and the jumping and the justifications. And it's just not necessary. When you become a good spender, all of that noise and negotiation with yourself and mental chatter just gets to go out the window. It doesn't need to take up any of your mental fortitude because it's not necessary. But the problem is, is that even though spending is a skill, most of us don't have that skill. We don't have the skill because most of us are never actually taught the skill of spending because we don't think of spending as a skill. We think of spending money like kind of how we think of breathing. We're like, you don't learn how to breathe. You just breathe. You just do it. You just know how to do it. That's how we think about spending money. When in fact, spending money isn't just this thing that you do willy-nilly every day once you feel like it on whatever you want. It's not just something that you come into the world inherently knowing how to do. It is a skill that you learn and practice and develop over time to actually become a skilled spender. It's more like learning how to ride a bike than just coming into the world knowing how to breathe. We're not taught how to spend money in a healthy and constructive way. And in fact, we live in a world that conditions us to spend money in a reckless and destructive way, to spend money on things that we don't use, to spend money to try to buy things that we can't ultimately buy, to spend money for the attention and praise of other people versus actually spending money for us, spending money that is aligned to other people's values and other people's morals, rather than spending money in a way that's aligned to our values. We're not taught how to spend money to extract as much value as possible out of what we're buying. And we're certainly not taught the value of not spending money. We go into the world every day and it's ads and emails and this and that and spend here and spend there and you need this and you need that and buy, buy, buy and stuff, stuff, stuff. We're never even taught the value that's available to us when we don't spend money. We spend money like we're on a roller coaster ride where we binge and restrict and it's feast and famine and it's up and down and we're back and forth rather than learning how to spend money in a way where we are just constantly in this healthy middle where spending money at any point in time on mostly anything is an option if you want it to be, if it's evaluated through the lens of, will this help me? Will this serve me? Will this make me better? Will this make my life better? Will my future self be thanking me for making this exchange with my money, for making this choice? Is it helping me or hurting me long-term? How is this decision going to impact me in the future? Rather than just being focused on the fleeting high that it's going to provide me in the moment. And I think it's like, okay, when you become a good spender, when this is a skill that you can actually develop, you just don't need grow math. You don't. You don't need the justifications and to constantly be in this state where you're negotiating with yourself because you don't need it. You have other tools to evaluate your spending through. I've talked about all of these questions like in past episodes, right? But again, I'm always happy to revisit them. I think it's actually very helpful to revisit them and to give them to you here. I'm also going to put these questions in the show notes so that maybe if you're driving or doing dishes or whatever right now and, you, and you're not in a position to like pause and write all these down, you can just go to the show notes later and get them. It's like, instead of using girl math, here are six questions. I know six is kind of a lot. You don't even really have to do all six of these. Maybe just even do half of these. But here are some questions of how you can actually evaluate a purchase rather than trying to justify it to yourself. So question number one, have I planned this purchase ahead of time? (laughs) 
Is this something that I found out about five minutes ago? Or is this something that I've been thinking about and planning for a while? Or is it something that I need? Which part of my brain am I using? Am I using my prefrontal power, the part of my brain that is future focused, the upstairs part of my brain, or am I using my downstairs caveman lizard brain that's only concerned with pleasure in this moment? So again, have I planned this purchase ahead of time? Question two, do I have the money for it? Am I going into debt for it? Is this going to be going on a credit card? Am I kind of in the mindset right now of like, well, I know I don't have the money or I know I don't have what I need or I'm going to have to use a buy now, pay later service and I'll just figure out where the money's going to come from later. Don't be putting yourself into debt for purchases that aren't absolutely necessary, especially impulse buys, things that like if question number one doesn't check the box, if you haven't been thinking about this or planning it, and you're using money that you don't have, that's kind of like a double whammy. So do I have the money for it? Question number three, am I trying to cope? Am I trying to buffer away some sort of negative emotion that I want to numb myself of, I want to distract myself from right now? Am I trying to buy something that can't be bought? AKA with this question, am I about to start playing a losing game? Am I going to try to solve an internal problem that I'm having right now with an external solution that newsflash will never actually solve the problem and it will never actually buy you the things that you're trying to buy that can't be bought, which is why I'm telling you it's kind of like playing a losing game. It's being behind before you even start. Question four Am I on the winning side of the value exchange? Remember, the value exchange, I'm always telling you to think about how your money has value and the things that you're going to exchange your money for have value. And when we're on the winning side of the value exchange is when we are getting more value out of the thing that we are exchanging our money for than the value that the money has to us. When we do that, when we spend our money things that are inherently valuable to us, that is how we win with money. That is how we win with our spending. And ultimately, that's how we end up injecting the highest level of value, beauty, and purpose into our life rather than just buying things that we don't really even need, we don't want, we don't get a ton of use and value out of. Question number five is, is my future self going to be glad that I made this purchase? Is she going to look back on this and be like, yep, even today I would remake that choice. I'm really glad that we did that. Another kind of variation of this question that a lot of you guys I know like is 30 days from now, use whatever time period you want, 30 days, 90 days from now, am I still going to want this thing that I'm about to buy or am I going to want my money back? That has you thinking long-term about how you're going to feel about this purchase in the future versus how you're simply feeling about it in this moment. Again, going back to question number one, maybe using that downstairs part of your brain that we don't want to be making our purchasing decisions from. Now, the sixth question is just kind of a bonus, right, to go along with this girl math theme. But the sixth question is, am I evaluating this purchase or am I justifying a spending choice that I know isn't in my best interest? <laughs> what am I doing right now? Am I evaluating, meaning like, is no actually even a possible outcome here? Or am I simply just trying to make myself feel better for a decision that I've either already made in my head or a decision that I've already taken action on in real life, aka I've actually already gone out and spent the money? What's happening right now? Am I evaluating or am I justifying? And just being really brutally honest with yourself about what's actually going on there. Those are six questions that you can use to evaluate purchases that kind of get you out of this girl math mentality 
and also that will help you become a more skilled spender. All right, y'all. That's what I have for you on Girl Math. Thank you for being here for this episode. I am really excited to just kind of like get back into the swing of normal episodes with you guys. And of course, if this is something that you want to work on, if you want to take the knowledge and the teachings from this podcast and you want to take it deeper, you actually want to take this knowledge and apply it into your own life to become a skilled spender like I was talking about. The place to do that is the Overcoming Overspending membership, which you can join at any time by going to overcomingoverspending.com. I even have a little bit of a discount code available for you in the outro of every episode now. You podcast peeps are like my favorite peeps, like truly. Like you guys are the bombs. Like y'all are the ones that I feel the most connected to. Like I know that you're my tribe. I know that you get it. I know that you support me and I support you and we are here for each other and I'm always going to fight for you. I'm always going to advocate for you and I am going to continue inviting you to take this work deeper so that you can reach your full financial potential. I know that you are worthy and deserving of it, and I know you are capable of creating that. And if you are wanting a container to do that in and support to do that in, then again, come join us, overcomingoverspending.com. You can always join at any point, and I hope to see you in there. All right. I love y'all. Have a great week, and I will see you next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Money Love Podcast. If you're loving the podcast, then I want to invite you to join me in the Overcoming Overspending membership. It's where we take this work deeper and apply the concepts and coaching from each week's episode into your own life. By being a member, you have exclusive access to my Overcoming Overspending process, 10 monthly live coaching calls with me, a private podcast, members-only community, monthly money topic and challenge, bonus courses, and so much more. There's nowhere else like it out there to level up your finances and life. Simply go to overcomingoverspending.com to join and you can enter in the code MLP30 at checkout to save $30 on your first month inside the membership. See you inside.